Hey everybody, happy 7th of July when I'm recording this. I am way behind. Um, June is now over. Happy end of Pride and just make every month Pride Month. Um, I do notice we're a little late with this week, this month's um, book. Um, unfortunately, life got a hold of both Nikki and I. Nikki spent, you know, first part of the month in Denver um, for some gun violence rally. And I've had craziness with kids, and we're behind. But, so this month we are going to replay the interview with Tina Strawn about her book, Are We Free Yet? The Black Queer Guide to Divorce in America. So please take the time, re-listen to that, and ask any questions you have. And we'll be back again in later this month with the second. Thank you, and y'all have a great July. Okay, we are back with Tina Strawn after a powerful conversation about Just Mercy. And now we are going to be talking about Tina's new book, Are We Free Yet? The Black Queer Guide to Divorcing America. That is out now and you can buy it at all the places. So I was going to share quickly what I wrote as a review for Tina's book. And that will kind of kick off our conversation. Are We Free Yet by Tina Strawn truly is the Black queer guide to divorcing America, and I want to honor Tina's work as such. For me as a white woman, I was able to bear witness to and be transformed by Tina's courageous journey slash journeys. The journal prompts and activities throughout Are We Free Yet helped me process what I was reading on a deeper level so that the breakthroughs and new insights could become part of my very being. Are We Free Yet is a sacred, visceral, full-body experience. I urge you to receive the invitation Tina so graciously extends to all readers to move toward and embody collective liberation. So pick up a copy of Tina's book that you're going to get to hear a little bit about. And after doing so, rate it with five stars. If you're not going to give it five stars, don't go do it and (laughs) write a review. So Tina, let's talk about the origin of your title. Are we free yet? Absolutely. The, I love that so much. Yeah. If you're not going to leave a five-star review, then you can just skip the review part altogether. Okay. Um, you know, the, the title came out of a true feeling and a, and a sincere question that I found myself and my, then my wife at the time, this is at the end of 2018, and then kind of through the next year, found ourselves asking our, you know, we, we were, we really questioned, is this what freedom is? And when I say this, it was both of us looking at being queer and black and women in America um, who did not have a lot of money and resource and financial resources that don't come from any places of wealth um, and really um, observing the ways in which um, black folks continue to be um, brutalized and murdered by the police, um, looking at all of the anti-gay legislation that continues to um, come out uh, and just realizing that this does not feel free. 
Um, and recognizing that this is not a new sentiment of Black Americans. When we think about um, folks such as James Baldwin and uh, Audre Lorde, Audre Lorde, um, Lorraine Hansberry, we, we, we look back at authors and activists and, and Black leaders throughout our history um, and, and also throughout the civil rights movement. Like this is what, this is a big question that we have been asking um, and, and a big declaration that we've been making. When we say Black Lives Matter, it's it's not for the purpose of um, just the 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 soundbite, right? Or 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 a motto. It's not just a saying. It is the sentiment behind it. Is if I have to say Black Lives Matter, I am attempting to prove or persuade that the lives of Black American humans are important. And I have to say that because the way that the country interacts with us does not demonstrate that our lives matter, right? So that's that's kind of how it how it started. Um I guess it also came to me um because I love road trips and when I was a little girl, I my we went on a lot of road trips um and then even uh, when I became a mother and had three of my own kids, we we did road trips. And so a very uh, uh, common phrase that you will hear from kids, uh, Brent, with your seven, you may have heard this before, is are we there yet? So it is this question that I'm inviting folks to examine what is freedom? Like really, in what ways as Americans who boast of this freedom, in what ways do we feel free? In what ways do we not feel free? Um, and how are we participating in our freedom? And how are we participating in our oppression? So that's that's where the first part of the title came from, the Are We Free Yet? Um, the next part of it being the Black Queer Guide to Divorcing America. Uh, that came um, actually kind of late in the game um, uh, in terms of during the, the the writing process. And I was working with um, my editor, one of my editors at Row House. Um, and a lot of this story was birthed from a place of deep grieving that I was going through as a result of my um, wife at the time uh, leaving me and out of the blue and 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 I just felt very abandoned. And as I was kind of going through that grieving and healing process, I was doing all of this writing. Um, and at the time, a lot of the writing kind of centered around my heartbreak. Um, which was, which is and was relevant. But as I was writing, I realized it's actually not just about divorcing my ex-wife. Um, I also have an ex-husband. Um, and so uh, I, I recognize that there were a lot of similarities in my experience of divorcing those both of my spouses and also my decision to leave America, leave the United States, and how I basically make the case for divorcing America in, in the ways that we also you know, understand leaving um, a toxic and abusive relationship. And that's, that is um, why we made this subtitle and I came up with this subtitle in particular, um, 
also to identify that this story is coming through my lens as a black queer woman and and what my experience of being married to a husband, being married to a wife and being a an American and the ways that all of those things um, affect uh, my my experience and and the ways that I've chosen to either uh, again participate in my own oppression or be very active in participating in, in getting myself free. Yeah, so I've already shared this with you, but I want to say it here again that you're such a tender guide through grief and that being a part of your story and then becoming part of your book. And how it's not just grief, right? But the way that you honor grief and the permission that it gave me to honor my own grief, obviously different and for different reasons, but yeah, I just really, really appreciated the way that you wrote about that. And I'll say, I just want to shout out Audre Lorde and the uses of the erotic, that essay that the first time I read it was because it was one of the activities in are we free yet? One of the things to do. And so highly recommend reading that essay as people wait to get your book, they could go ahead and uh, read that essay. And I love the road trips, that aspect, are we there yet? And that being part of this title, are we free yet? And that where things are and where things have been like, this isn't freedom. And for your experience connected to that particular question of this, this isn't freedom, this can't be it. And what does freedom look and feel like? And so, yeah, I just, all of that in the subtitle, connecting that to your journey, leaving an abusive relationship is the same as leaving this abusive, toxic country. And so, yeah, is there anything else you would add for how you would describe your book to someone who hasn't heard anything about it, like what you would say? Yeah. And I, I do want to just clarify that the toxic and abusive relationship that I have been in that I divorced was with America. I, I did not experience um, that in either of my marriages. So I'm, 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 that's, I'm fortunate and grateful for that, but I just wanted to also clarify that. Um, you know, I, I talk about my book as being both a personal reflection and a collective examination of the ways that we interact with systems of oppression, including white supremacy, capitalism, and the patriarchy, um, while centering tools for liberation, which are um, peace and pleasure, uh, joy and celebration, and then ultimately our activism and our liberation. So that's kind of the elevator pitch that I give, um, but it, it truly is a an invitation for everyone who considers themselves to be American to just really examine what does that mean to you and what do you want it to mean and how are you living your life in a way that reflects your 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 freedom or not. Um, and it was really important for me that the title be a question because I want to also say, you know, reading my book isn't going to give, I don't have all of the answers and all the solutions. That's not what it's designed to do. It is simply, um, it, it's an, it's a, it's a guidebook, 
um, it's a memoir style guidebook. So while I am walking along in my, you know, journey in a variety of ways, I talk about my grandparents in the book. I share about them quite a bit. I talk about um, both of my spouses. I talk about my three children. Um, I, I talk about um, some very personal um, experiences that I have had um, and in and, and the ways that I got to a place of healing and the ways that I came to understand that the bridge between grief and liberation is joy. Um, so you're walking alongside kind of my personal story while also interacting with national events that are taking place. So like you referenced, I, I, we I talk about um, my experience of, um, of, of heartbreak um, when the state of Alabama executed Nathaniel Woods in March of 2020. Um, I talk about just where we were as a nation when COVID-19 um, hit. I talk about um, the Blacksit social movement. And uh, what I'll share with your audience um, as well is that the term Blacksit, um, it combines the words Black and exit. And it is the term that is used to describe the resurgence of Black Americans who choose to leave the United States, either partially or primarily due to the systemic racism and ongoing racial um, uh, anti-Black racism, um, terrorism, and violence. And it is what I like to call and refer to as kind of the new underground railroad in the sense that the term Blacksit is not mainstream yet. I still encounter so many people who have never heard of this. Um, and yet, especially right now, when we are in a time of collective grieving and mourning over the loss of the lives that we have recently lost due to police and state violence. Um, uh, you'll hear more black folks talking about how we hate it here and we 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 want to leave, you know, and and that's a it it is a common sentiment that we hear um and again, especially at times like this. Then on the other side of that, there is a world and a, like I said, a movement of Black folks that are and have been leaving the United States and finding places around the world um, where we can live in peace. Um, I, I do want to note that anti-Blackness is global. So it is not a desire or um, we're not seeking to escape anti-Blackness because I, that's not possible um, in an anti-Black world. But what we do know is that there is no brand of racism quite like the American brand of racism. And so what thousands and thousands and thousands of Black folks, myself included, are finding, have found, is a measure of peace living in other countries that we were not able to find in the United States. And so it is this true account and personal story of my decision to leave. Um, the beginning of the book talks about the first part, there's four parts, and the first part is grief and healing. And when you buy the book and start to read, you will be taken through some very, um, uh, some, some, some experiences uh, and some, some stories of the, the Black folks that we lost. Um, I talk about Breonna Taylor. The book is dedicated, one of the people that the book is dedicated to is Breonna Taylor. Um, and, and just 
and the fact that uh, we can find ourselves in various points of time um, and sadly still be able to so um, closely relate to and remember the sting and the trauma of the of black suffering in this nation. Um, and and unfortunately, it's something that we're going to be dealing with, right? When we just talked about that with the Just Mercy conversation, until the United States comes to a place of accountability, truth and reconciliation, this is a cycle that will continue. Black folks will continue to to be killed um, and, and, and police officers will continue to not be held accountable and policing in itself will continue to be this very oppressive um, um, function of white supremacy. So the book, uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it's heavy and it is, uh, I, I, I've definitely received feedback about how that first part is, is, is challenging to get through. Um, and my encouragement to folks is, is, is hold on and, and breathe through. Uh, and I do kind of give you some, 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 strategies and tools to help you move through some of that grieving and get to a place of healing as we are looking at some of the the, the painful history um, of our country. Um, so hang in there uh, through the grief and the healing and then we get to the to the fun stuff, the peace and the pleasure. And I love Nikki that you just referenced um, Audre Lord's uh, use of the erotic because that that is something that we I talk about in the book in terms of the ways that I connected my healing to my liberation and uh, and and pleasure seeking and and the erotic is one of of those ways and what does it mean to prioritize my peace if I prioritize my peace I find that that's not something that I can do successfully in the United States. So that is what led me to to move to Jamaica and now where I am in Costa Rica. So um, <laughs> I talk about just so much, talk about the Democrats and, and voting and Stacey Abrams. And um, it's, I, I just invite everyone to ask themselves again, that question I, we, we keep saying it, what does it mean for me to be American, and what does what does freedom look like for me, based on uh, or or for you, based on your social location, your racial and your gender identity, and and these different things? Yeah, oh, all of that. Like, if I was unmuted, you'd just hear me. Yes, yes, yes. But I'm muted, <laughs> so yeah, just like that personal reflection and collective examination of how we interact with these systems of oppression and like you named them all and how they are interlocking and then tools for our own liberation. And yeah, I wanted to share, you know, part one is grief and healing. Like you said, part two, peace and pleasure, part three, celebration and joy and part four, activism and liberation. And just the way that you weave all of those aspects together so beautifully is such a gift to this world. And yeah, and so you hit on like what Blacks it is. So if you could speak to your personal journey, exiting and divorcing America. And I'll be honest is I'm still in that process, right? As far as... Um... Uh, for when we look at the fact that the divorce rate is over 50%, it's, it's really easy to say, um, if you haven't been personally touched by divorce, you definitely know someone who's been touched personally by divorce, right? We have 
Um, and, and so that being such a, a commonality um, that that people have that I just want to name that, you know, for folks like myself, um, divorced from my ex-husband who uh, actually passed away in November of 2016. I talk about that in the book as well. But, um, you know, he and I have three children together. So even though divorce takes place, there are three um humans that we brought into the world that that we we raised together right and so there still is a relationship of some sort and so there's a navigating that still has to take place about well what does it look like now that we're divorced how do we you know how do we function and move and operate and navigate and all of these things and i say that because i am about almost Oh, wow. I'm almost three years into my black sit. This summer will make three years since I left the United States um, and and moved abroad. And what I will say is that, you know, from when I wrote the book to even now, that is a experience that is that I'm, I am that that's active for me. It's not like a I left and now it's over. And now my life is just perfect and wonderful and everything is is fine. Now, I, I interact with the reality of being a Black American outside of the United States. That's a that's a new experience that I have as well, uh, and I'm 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 honestly um, bumping up against now. What does it mean for me as a Black American in a a, 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 a Central American country? You know, in a brown country. Um, and even when I was in Jamaica, I lived in Jamaica for about a year. What does it mean to be a Black American in a in a predominantly Black country, um, and a poor Black country, which is which is um, Jamaica? Um, and so that experience is something that I'm still navigating. Um, I can say that, <laughs> and Nikki, you know this because we have you know we we personally know each other, and so. Um, I can say that for me, it has been a remarkable experience and I have found a tremendous amount of peace and joy. Um, and I'm really fortunate to be a part of several Blacksit communities. Um, and that is both virtually, it's online, you know, Facebook groups and and different ways of, of that I'm connected to some of the, the online Blacksit groups around the world. Um, but also I found communities of, of Black expats in Jamaica, as well as here in Costa Rica. I live in this very small town called Atenas. Um, and Atenas, Costa Rica is known for having the best climate in the world. And it it truly feels that way. Um, uh, we we year round, our average temperature is about 78. Um, and and so it's lovely. I don't know, you, well, you you both of you can see, our listeners can't see the, the sunshine right now at the end of January. And it's, it's probably like 79 degrees. Um, so I have found what I was looking for. Um, and here in this little town, there's... A, Inside of my little community, there's about 40 of us um, that are here, and we're all in a variety of different places in our life. There are young people that are here. There are retired folks. There are families and married couples. There are single individuals like myself. Um, uh, there are folks who do speak Spanish, and then folks like myself, I don't speak Spanish, and I live in a Spanish-speaking country, and I've lived here for over a year, and it has still been a remarkable and beautiful and loving experience. Um, it's a little walkable town, so I don't have a car. I haven't had a car since I left the U.S., and I love that because, I, um, again, I live in this little town that's walkable, and, and so, like, 
there have been sacrifices that I've made to live the lifestyle that I want to live. And it has absolutely been worth it. And as I encounter more Black folks that are asking me, like, how did you do this? How did you leave? What is it like living in another country? Um, it is it is joyful for me to share my experience. Um, and and again, we are there are so many different ways that people are doing this and making it work. And um, it it is really powerful to see that when you um, have a desire in your heart to do something, if you are seeking and searching for a place where you feel safe, if you're searching and looking for um, home, because perhaps where you're living in the U.S. does not feel like home, it does not feel like a sustainable place for you to um, have the stability and the safety that you want for yourself and for your kids and for your family, um, there are options to leaving. And there are so many of us that have done it, that are doing it. And there's a tremendous um, amount of support uh, waiting for folks that are, are looking for that. Yeah, I know. I've heard you again, speak to the Black communities online and in person that you found. And again, rooting it back in that community and just how that also is a part of getting free is finding the people who, you know, you write in your book, like find the free people, you know? So, and I just want to say witnessing your joy online through the pictures you post for you're in the ocean or you're seeing this beautiful sunrise or you're like in a place with all this music and joy fueling joy for me as someone getting to watch you and just again what a what a time to be alive and sharing space and planet with you I just I'm so grateful. So, okay. Yeah. And I wrote down something else. I just love how you said this is ongoing, right? It's not a, I left and now everything's better, but just like with any relationship when there is an ending or some sort of break and all of those things and how this summer will mark three years since leaving. And so just honoring that and how the past three years, like, it hasn't been easy and that it's still this journey for you, uh, living this minimalistic nomadic life. Uh, but again, just what that does for everyone who is connected to you as we get to witness your journey. And so thank you for bringing us along in a way. And even at your launch party, right? Like for those of us who couldn't physically be there with you, when you turn the camera around and let us see the ocean and the view and all of that, just so beautiful. Well, before we wrap up this section, was there, or, you know, this whole conversation, was there anything that you wanted to share in addition? Cause you know, I'll say like your book, you hit on the reparations bill, you know, HR 40, you talk about the Emmett Till anti-lynching bill. And you also talked about that yesterday in the video you did, you know, so if there's anything you wanted to do to connect the experience of your book to the current realities around us and anything like that. I wanted to give some space before we close out. Yeah. Thank you for all that and your kind words. And, um, I I'm, it's an honor to be witnessed, um, by you and, and, and by, by folks who believe that, that black joy is the revolution. Um, and I think that's 
that is such a big part of why my work shifted. And even in how, in the language that I use in terms of the work that I do in, uh, and shifting from calling myself an anti-racism educator and facilitator to calling myself a black joy and liberation advocate and activist, right? Like that shift being so important for me to, to, to uh, locate myself in how, I really want to be intentional about centering liberation and not centering the oppression. Um, and so the thing that I will leave that I would love to just leave with is something that I have included in my book, but it is, uh, they are some words that are actually inscribed on one of the walls in the lynching memorial. So if you visit uh, Montgomery, Alabama and go to lynching memorial, you will see these words there. And this is what I want to leave um, because this is um, kind of a call to action with the, the things that we need to arm ourselves with to continue on this fight for humanity and this fight for justice. And those words are, for the hanged, and beaten for the shot drowned and burned for the tortured tormented and terrorized for those abandoned by the rule of law we will remember with hope because hopelessness is the enemy of justice with courage because peace requires bravery with persistence, because justice is a constant struggle. With faith, because we shall overcome. And those words help ground me both in the past and the strength and the courage of our ancestors um, and the abolitionists that came before us and those freedom fighters, it connects us from them to where we are today. Um, as we, you know, are unfortunately watching the news that is taking place in front of us and the injustices that continue, that we need to hold on to hope and courage and persistence and faith because we shall overcome. Yeah, I just wanted to not rush into something after what you've shared, because yes, sitting with that and black joy is the revolution, writing that down and how you are a black joy, liberation advocate and activist. And then, you know, on that, you know, I was reading along what you were reading, reading along in my copy and how you say like the grief is the reminder that we're not free and what still needs to be dealt with. Right. And so yeah, like I, I think that Brent might have something to say and then I'll be able to to find us out. Thanks, Nikki. And Tina, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Um, so many times I hit on my unmute button and just could not bring myself to speak with some of the powerful things you were saying. Um, you had said earlier about how the bridge between grief and liberation is joy. And that stuck with me, you know, I think you know, coming from my place, you know, even I forget about joy, you know, I get bogged down and in the grief. And as you mentioned, the grief and the shame sometimes, and 
just the drudgery of life that you forget about joy and hearing that, you know, that's the bridge that, that kind of like, you know, kind of struck a chord with me. And I thank you for sharing that and mm-hmm. just, just really appreciate your story. I'm looking forward to it. The, the, the whole, are we there yet thing? My three-year-olds, I have three-year-old triplets. They just learned that yesterday on a car ride. So, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> I heard that for like an hour straight. So I get it. I like, I like the, I like the, um, the correlation there. And, and, and I, I can't wait to get a copy of this book and read it. So thank you for coming on. Thank you, Brent. I appreciate that. Thank you both for having me. I, I love being in conversations um, with folks about how we get free. So thanks for thinking of me for this. And uh, it's been a pleasure being here with both of you. Thank you, Tina. And yes, I just want to hit on the commodification and the consumption of Black grief and suffering and how the algorithms, you know, so many people have talked about how that's what gets prioritized. And so if we can flip it to consuming and sharing the joy, right? Like that's so important. And I want to let listeners, yeah. And I want to let listeners know that are we free yet is our book pick for the month of June. And hopefully Tina will be able to come back and do a deeper dive and discussion around, are we free yet? So Tina, can you share where people can buy, are we free yet? Like if there's certain distributors that are more, uh, aligned with you and that you would like people to go to or whatever and finding you online as well. Absolutely. Um, I will say you can find the book at all major retailers. So um, I think one place that I know um, Row House and I talk about wanting folks to go to is bookshop.org is one. Um, and uh, for I, I know we have a variety of, of conflicting feelings about Amazon, but that's another place. And just what what book sales on those major platforms means for new authors um, and for um, Black authors uh, and and authors of marginalized identities in particular, that's that's the opportunity that we have to really make a big impact is when sales come through those large um, platforms. Um, also, you, I, I would encourage folks to go to your local Barnes and Noble um, and ask for this book. Um, Barnes and Noble does have has placed an order order for these books, so you should be able to find it. A few of them um, at your local Barnes and Noble, um, but. Uh, that's another way to um, get the 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 word out is by letting these larger publications know that this is the type of uh, content material that people are looking for and want to read. So that's those are the 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 three places I'll name here. Um, but also there are indie book uh, booksellers that are selling it as well. So um, if you go to my website which again is tina-strawn.com. There is a list of some of the retailers um, that you can purchase the book. So I would encourage you to to go there as well. Uh, That's also where you can find more information about me and what uh, some of the things that I'm I'm doing. Uh, I do a lot of virtual events, a lot of virtual workshops and sessions with a variety of, of other activists and authors and healers. And I really love being in conversations around grieving and healing um, and, and, how we all get free and uh, listen to check out my podcast, speaking of racism. And um, you can follow us on Instagram and uh, follow me on Instagram also at Tina underscore strong underscore life. And um, yeah, you'll be seeing me basically mostly on the internet streets or if you come to Costa Rica, you'll <laughs> uh, that's also where I'll be for a while. 
Yes. And there's something in the works for a writing retreat with Kim Marsh, founder of the Open Book Company, in collaboration with Tina for a writing retreat in Costa Rica. Yes. So yeah, lots of lots of fun things. So Tina, thank you again for your time and your energy for this conversation, for who you are as a whole human and for just sharing your journey. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nikki. And thanks, Brent. It was great being with both of you.